Today I want to talk, um, as we continue the, the series, No Outsiders, I want to talk to you about the basic call that Jesus had on the first disciples that he called to follow him, which is still the basic call that he has on you and me. And it is to be fishers of people, or to be about the work of catching people. Now, I dare say that some churches don't do enough of this. And, 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 and they get it all wrong. And some churches do way more than they're supposed to be doing related to this, and they do it all wrong. And I want to talk about the call, the simple call that Jesus has to, for you and for me to catch people. Today we're going to be looking at Luke, the fifth chapter, the first 11 verses. We also have this story in Matthew's gospel, but it's better in Luke. And, and what we need to remember about this and setting it in, in its context, that Jesus, um, he had been commissioned by God in the wilderness. Remember the 40 days and 40 nights? And so he leaves that to commission disciples to join him in his ministry. And so we see him first coming upon uh, Peter and, and probably Andrew, even though Andrew's not mentioned, James and John. And we know Peter, James, and John are kind of that triad of trusted confidants with Jesus. What I think sometimes we forget is that Jesus had been in that uh, Galilee area around uh, Capernaum and Bethsaida. And, and he'd been teaching uh, for a while. He'd been, he'd been healing the sick. He had been casting out demons. And, and the word about Jesus was just uh, everywhere in those little fishing villages. In, in, in fact, um, no doubt, Peter, James, and John had, had probably heard Jesus teach, or they'd probably witnessed one of his healing miracles. When Jesus encountered them on the beach, it wasn't the first time they'd seen each other, right? He, he, he probably knew them, already had a relationship with them. So with that understanding, let's turn in our scripture to the fifth chapter of Luke's gospel, the first verse through the eleventh verse. I think it's going to be on the screens. So let's stand out of love and respect for God's word. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, which is the same as the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then Jesus sat down, and he taught the crowds from the boat. Now think about that. The, the position for a teacher was to sit the congregation stood, or they could sit on the bank. But Jesus pushing out, the acoustics would have been great and wonderful. You would have heard the words that Jesus was, was teaching. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nice clean nets that took you hours to clean from last night's fishing excursion. Put down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master... Oh, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, 
they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they were beginning to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You know, when God draws close to us, isn't it odd how we react? When we know we're in the presence of the holy, sometimes we just feel like we're just not worthy. Sometimes we're truly frightened because we know who we are. And we think we know who God is. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also was James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You get up. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything. They left their nets. They left their boats. They left their professions. They left their family. They left their friends. They left their hometown. They left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now we need to recognize that fishing was a popular trade on the Lake Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. And in these two little towns of Capernaum and Bethsaida, located right there on the lake shore, people understood fishing. It was not only the profession or occupation for some in these little towns, many probably, but, but it was also a, a, a source of food, of protein for the people who, who, who lived there. Now, I've got a few slides, I think. I'm not really the greatest at slides, but I hope I have some about to come up. If not, you'll have to see them another time. Do we have them? Look at that. Boom. That's kind of the view that you might have from, um, from one of these little towns. And the message of this particular biblical text is that the disciples were called to be fishers of people. They got that metaphor. If they'd have been farmers, Jesus would sell, say something like, Come and I'll make you uh, harvesters of people instead of whatever you're growing. But these were fishermen. And Jesus told his first disciples that they were going to fish for people and that they were going to catch people for Jesus Christ. And, and then he commenced to show them for the next three years exactly how to do it. Now that was the first basic mission of, of the disciples was to be people who fished for people or who caught people. And the church has been about this business for 2,000 more years. We might have another slide or two of the, of the lake. So you get kind of an idea of Capernaum. That's that area in Bethsaida is, is down this way. The Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount. That is all in that Galilee area around the lake. It's a beautiful scene. 
Does it make you feel like you wished you were fishing? Anybody? Not a person. Well, I knew I was going to be talking to some city folks today, so I'm going to go back to my country roots, okay? I, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you a fish story that I have no photographic proof uh, about what I caught. But I am going to tell you about a childhood memory. When, when I was about five, six years old, um, I had a babysitter named Mrs. Naren, And Mrs. Naren had a husband named Mr. Easter Naren. Mr. Easter, we called him. And Mr. Easter was a night watchman. And when he would get off of his shift, he would go straight home and take a nap. And then he woke up a little before noon and he would come to relieve Mrs. Naren because she had probably had plenty of me and needed some help. And so Mr. Naren would usually always take me over to the side and my sister, uh, who was three years younger, she'd be with Mrs. Naren. And Mr. Easter would play ball in the yard with me or he'd play hide and seek. But, you know, the very best thing Mr. Easter did with me was when I saw him pulling up in his old Chevrolet Impala and he had his, the window rolled down and his arm out the window and he had those long cane poles that he was holding as he was driving, I knew it was going to be a good day. And he would take me fishing just outside of town, just a little ways outside of town on the Kickapoo Creek bar ditches. And we would fish with those cane poles. And we would use the worms that we had dug out from under the, the leaves, under the oak tree in the backyard. So we had our, our, our bait. And, and we had cork bobbers. You, you know, that was what told you when you were getting a fish, you know. And Mr. Easter would say, now you wait. You wait until that fish takes that bobber all the way under. You wait. And, and then you set your pole. If that fish gets away, he'll tell all the other fish that there's somebody up there fishing for us and we won't catch anything. So you wait. So I took those instructions and, and we fished there uh, on the bar ditches and, and, and we caught fish. We'd catch all kinds of fish. We'd catch perch. We'd catch catfish. We would catch goggle eye. Mr. Easter loved goggle eye. And, and sometimes we'd catch what he called trash fish. That would be a mud cat or an occasional grinnel that weren't that great to eat. But Mr. Easter ate everything we caught. You know, enough of these fishermen like Jimmy Houston, you know, who kissed the fish and let it go. We didn't let anything go. Everything we caught, we ate. And Mr. Easter would cook it the next day. And that's what we'd eat for lunch. And I can still remember sitting there waiting with that cane pole when that little bobber would start, you know, bobbing. Up and down, and those ripples would go out from the bobber. Have you been there, done that? Not many of you. And then that bobber would go under the water, and you'd set that hook, and you'd pull out, and you didn't know what it was going to be until it came out. And, oh, I love to fish, and I love to, um, to eat the fish the next day. But do you know anybody who loves to clean fish, really? Do you know anybody? You know, anybody who says, you know, there's one thing I love in life. I just love to gut a fish. You know, I love the smell. It smells like roses to me to clean a fish. Nobody likes to clean fish. You know, it is a task. It's a means to a greater end or it wouldn't be worth anything at all. Nobody loves to clean fish. And I want to say to us this morning, isn't it good that Jesus told us to fish for people, to catch people? 
and didn't tell us we had to clean them? <laughs> really? And you, you know one of the, 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 the greatest problems the church has today is that they've lost sight of the simple basic call of Jesus to catch people and, and they start trying to clean them. And they get more focused on the cleaning fish. And sometimes churches even gut people before they ever catch them. And in so doing, we completely miss the call of Jesus on the church. Jesus said, you catch them. And let the Holy Spirit clean them. You know, any evangelist, and I've heard them say it, I've heard preachers say this, I've won so many souls to Christ. And I want to say, no, you hadn't. You hadn't won anybody to Christ. You haven't saved anybody. Nobody has. That is only the work of the Holy Spirit. We're called to catch people, but we as Methodists, we believe in prevenient grace. It's the prevenient grace of the Holy Spirit that even brings people to the point of being caught. And then when they do accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's the Holy Spirit that brings them to that decision. We may have played a role in catching them and doing what we can, but it was the Holy Spirit speaking through us, whatever we did, whatever we said. And then the Holy Spirit for all of us takes us on that journey, we Methodists say, to sanctification where the Holy Spirit continues to clean us or make us um, in, into the image of God to where our love for God and our love for one another is like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. We, we don't clean people. God cleans people. We're just called to catch people. Jesus said in that, um, in that commission, the great commission, before he ascended into heaven, you go into all the world and you, and you baptize. You make disciples of all nations and you baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you teach them to obey everything that I have told you that was all about love of God and love of neighbor. That Jesus said you could sum it all up right there. And he said, and remember, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. In other words, you're not fishing on your own, friend. I'm here. I'm with you always. And you're, you're catching people and you're baptizing and you're teaching people. I'm here with you always. It's my Holy Spirit that, that's bringing people along to that greater level of love beyond our ability, beyond our talents. You know, our church a few years ago settled in on a simple mission statement that, that we were going to be loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And we started focusing not so much on the numbers of people who were joining, but the, the, the people who we were wanting to bring into the waters of baptism. And these people may have been little babies or they may have been adults. They may have been 90 years old. We're, bab we're, we're burying a, a man on Thursday, Mr. Jimmy George, been a member of this church for nearly 70 years. And he was baptized at the age of 90 in the fountain out there seven years ago. It's amazing. Because everybody who's baptized, it's the same symbol for all. And that symbol is that God's waters of baptism will clean us. But God loved us before we ever loved God. God initiated this relationship. We didn't. God initiated it. And we respond to God's love. 
You know what? There's another piece of good news. And that is that this net of grace is what catches people. It's not our technique. It's not how we watch the cork. In fact, Jesus didn't even get cane pole fishing. He didn't. You know, nobody fished with a cane pole in Jesus' day. That was crazy. You fished with a net, and you cast that net. And that net, it it was woven, you know, in net style, but it had little weighted sinkers around the edges of the net. And that net would fall down to the bottom, and everything that, 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 that net encompassed, you would bring up when you pulled that string. It would pull those those weights together, and anything that was under the net was in the net. God's net of grace that we are called to cast is a net woven with acceptance and forgiveness and the love of Christ. We're not sent out to fish without a net. God gives us that net of acceptance, forgiveness, and love. That's what catches people. When you cast a net, you don't know what it's going to bring up. I mean, when you're fishing in the bar ditches on the Kickapoo, they don't, nearly anything would bite a worm. But when you're fishing with a pole or a rod and reel, and you throw out one of those expensive baits, you know there's just only certain fish going to hit that bait. So you're fishing for a particular type of fish. When you set a trot line and you bait it with catfish bait, you're fishing for catfish, right? When you fish with a net... You're going to catch all kinds of fish. And that's the way Jesus wanted us to fish. For everybody. We're all God's children. We're all in need of God's acceptance, forgiveness, and love. You know, we're going to be talking a lot this year about Lover's Lane's history. We've all heard the stories about how 75 years ago when this church was born that, that, that this church cast the net and caught alcoholics. We pulled them into the church and some said, throw them back. We don't want to be known as the first alcoholic church of Dallas. And the pastor said, look, we're here for people who need us. If we're not here, then for people who need us, then why are we here? And those alcoholics are welcome here. We're going to We're going to love them with God's acceptance and forgiveness and love. And God's going to clean them. God's going to bring them into a closer relationship with Him. And and, and we know that this church back in 1960 received an African American member. In in, in a very tense time in this nation. And and today we, we see how many people of different cultures and races are here. We know that there are those who are challenged physically who are here. Last night, the deaf ministry had 175 people here in this room for their their deaf Saturday Night Live. That that group just continues to grow. They know they're welcome here. We catch people who are sexually oriented differently. We're not all the same, right? And and, and we cast that net and we bring LGBTQ people into the fellowship of this church. And we love them with God's acceptance, forgiveness, and love.
We catch people who are com who've committed crimes, get this, and they've served time. They have been in waters that, that, that didn't allow them to mix with the free public. And yet, they serve their time and they get out and they, they, they come here. They want to come right back to the place where, where they were first brought into the net of God's forgiveness, acceptance, forgiveness, and love. And they're welcome here. We catch young and old. We catch all kinds of people here. It, because there is no job of cleaning that's too big for God. We're witnesses to God's acceptance, forgiveness, and love. You know, I always get nervous when churches or Christians want to clean people before they catch them. I'm talking about cleaning people by making sure that they have proper theology or that they understand the Bible in the right kind of way or they, they, they do things that you're supposed to do. They know what they're not supposed to do. They live according to an interpretation of the Bible. I just want to say, consider these biblical facts and see what this means about our fishing. Jesus' great, great, great grandmother was Rahab the prostitute. Mary, his mother, was a pregnant teenager without a husband. The good Samaritan and all Samaritans were considered to have wrong faith understanding and didn't know how to worship God properly. And they had married husbands and wives while in exile. Therefore, they weren't real Jews. And the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus knew that she'd been married five times and the man she was living with wasn't her husband. He knew she was an adulterer and he was talking to her. And Zacchaeus was a powerful, corrupt tax collector. He was a thief is what he was. A traitor and a thief. And Jesus had lunch with him that day. And Paul was a judgmental Pharisee who persecuted Christians when Jesus caught him. And everyone whom Jesus encountered, the disciples, these fishers of people, were watching how the master did it. The master fisher of people did it. And, and they were taking notes because Jesus, it didn't seem to matter who somebody was. Jesus would heal them or he would change them. And then he would say, go and sin no more. And he wasn't talking about the sins of omission or commission, the, the things that they were doing. He was talking about their right relationship with God. He said, go and never be out of fellowship with God. Go and never be separated from God. You go and always be in community with God. That's what he was talking about. You go and sin no more. You never get out of touch with this fellowship that means so much to you and your salvation. And be those who cast the net of forgiveness, acceptance, love. You know, the greatest net that we have in the church is Holy Communion. When we can say this isn't our table, this isn't a Methodist table, this isn't a lover's lane table, this is the Lord's table. And at this table, 
All are welcome because the, the, the net that the Lord cast was broad. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. We're all there, sinners justified by His grace. And when we gathered in baptism, who could restrict baptism to anyone who was professing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do we put people through a litmus test before they're baptized? No. That's God's work. You know, Tammy and I have been having people over to the house. Some of you have been there. I hope all of you will be before we quit having people over to the house. <laughs> we had a group Sunday. Uh, the uh, Zimbabwean Fellowship. You know, the good thing about having the Zimbabwean Fellowship to your house after church on Sunday morning. Because you can get out of church and the traditional service can get home and bake a chicken before the, the Zimbabweans are out of church. And about 1.30 or, you know, a little after, they start gathering one by one. And, oh, we had a great time. We, we enjoyed our food together. We, we, we sang. We laughed. And then we came to a conversation. And, and, and they, they wanted to talk about what the denomination's going through right now. And it was so honest. They, they talked about how in, in their country, if you're a homosexual person, you could be put in prison. And most of them are professionals, educated. Their children have been born here. They, they know the American way of life. They remember their homeland, of course. They know the differences. And, and one man said, you know, we don't all agree theologically. But he said, we must never forget that we were those who were strangers in a strange land. And this church adopted us. And that we are brought together around a mission of loving all into relationship with Jesus. And we were part of that all. Oh, and it got sweet. As we talked about what our children are taught. And the importance of what we teach our children about how they love other people. You know, the best fishermen and best fisherwomen in this church are people who get that. They get that they were the ones who the net was cast for. And they may have felt like Simon Peter and just wanted to kneel down and say, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Why me? And they know how sweet God's acceptance, forgiveness, and love is. And when they do, they can't keep it to themselves. They really get what it means to be fishers of people. You know the biggest difference between fishing with Mr. Easter on the Kickapoo Creek bar ditches and what it means to be fishers of people? 
Mr. Easter said, now, you be patient. You let that cork bobber go all the way under so you can catch that fish because if he gets away, he'll tell all the other fish and none will bite. When you fish with Jesus now and you catch them, you you let them go because you want them to tell others because it draws them to the net. May we be recommitted to not only hear the word of Jesus as Peter heard it that day. Get off of your knees. You are my child. I love you as much as I love any child. You are accepted. You are forgiven. You are loved. And when we get that, it'll make you a better fisherman. It'll make you want to cast the net everywhere you go. So you come to our place. You come to our place. We, we, we don't try to clean you or gut you at our place. We just love and worship our Lord together. And the Lord works on all of us. All of us. The same. Amen.